We did Thanksgiving at some friend's house this year. They live out on some acreage in the country. And uh, when the pandemic hit, they basically built a picnic shelter next to their cob oven and <laughs> off they went. Um, they're really the, the kind of family you want in your corner during a global uh, pandemic. <laughs> if they need something, they build it and they're wonderful people. And we've just really been lucky to spend time on their property all all through this last couple of years. But my favorite moment um, from Thanksgiving was <clears throat> I was I was inside kind of chit chatting with the adults a little bit the vaccinated people got to hang out inside a little bit. Poor little kids were uh, fated to run around outside. But that's what they're made for so not that big of a of a drawback and um todd my husband came in and he noticed this fish tank in the corner um, of their dining room it's just a small kind of corner shape you know triangular fish tank sitting on the back of their um, dining area bench and Todd kept, uh, my husband kept saltwater fish for years, and he's just really a big um, nerd about it. He loves it so much. It's been years since he's had them, but anytime he sees a fish tank, his eyes just light up. So he spotted this fish tank, and his eyes lit up, and he started looking around for whose responsibility this fish tank was, because in this family, Everything is somebody's responsibility. So if there's a fish tank, it most certainly is being managed by one of the humans. <clears throat> and it turned out that it was uh, the 14 year olds, Shaxon. Uh, my husband really lo loves this kid anyway. They just kind of click and get along. And, and he said, uh, in the fish tank, the light was off. And the water was down, like <laughs> really far down. <laughs> and but there are a couple of fish swimming in it. And Todd started asking about the fish tank, and and the mom, uh, my friend, you know, she said, "Yeah, that was our pandemic pet project." All the original fish have died. One of them must have had babies <laughs> before she died because now we have two new fish. We don't know where they came from. And um, they don't get to eat a lot. And their tank looks really dirty. So, you know, mom, mom took the opportunity to point out whose responsibility it was and to explain, you know, why it looked the way it looked. And uh, which is just exactly the kind of thing I would do <laughs> to one of my kids. But this is why you gather adults around that love your kids and that are kind to them and that aren't you. <laughs> because you really need you know, it, it takes a lot of adults 
um, to infuse kids with love. And it's not just going to, the parents aren't enough. You know, grandparents are pretty good. <laughs> but having a lot of just wonderful adults around um, makes a difference for kids, even when their family is just wonderful itself. And so, uh, you know, Todd, man, just watching, I can replay this in my mind. You know, he just got really interested and really excited and really curious about this fish tank. You know, oh, what kind, what kind of fish are they? And can I look a little bit closer? And do you mind if we turn, can we turn on the light? I'd love to get a, get a look inside this. And so they kind of gathered around the fish tank and um, turned the light on and, and uh, Todd said, well, you've got a lot of janitors working really hard in here for you. There were snails everywhere eating the algae, you know, doing their jobs. <clears throat> and um, you got some, you got some plants growing on the rocks. That looks pretty good, actually. Looks pretty good, actually. And, you know, and the kid was, he was pretty quiet, you know, just kind of like, wasn't sure how much to engage like clearly he was over it this project this pet project <clears throat> but todd wasn't over it <laughs> and he said uh gently you know did you know that you can test the water you know and, and find out what chemicals are in it how it's how, kind of how it's doing and and uh the kid said no really or something like that i can't i didn't hear it all and but then you know my friend goes oh you mean with this kit up here over the fridge <laughs> oh oh can i see the kit i can show you how to to test the water can we get do you mind if we get it down and so you know they got the kit down and and uh poured the water in and i couldn't see the the kids I love this kid too. I couldn't see his face, you know, but they did it. And uh, then I heard, they tested the water and I heard uh, Todd say, well, that looks pretty good. That's not bad. That's why you have fish in here. <laughs> That's why you have janitors in here. Did you know you can just buy these drops that take a little bit more of the ammonia out? Yeah. Did you know that this is looking really good? <clears throat> and Todd told me later that he could tell by watching the, the, the kiddo's face that he was nervous to test the water. He didn't, I don't think he wanted to know how bad it was. He had probably been avoiding testing it, you know, <laughs> for quite a while. And, uh, but when he did test it, it, it turned out, you know, that it, it wasn't too bad. And so, you know, we moved on uh, from that and the light went back off <laughs> and we did some more eating and playing and all the things. And, and then um, I had uh, kind of some time that aside yesterday with the family that I was going to go back out. The kids were going to play together. And Todd 
sent me along a book um, about succulents because he heard that this same kid was also had a bunch of succulents in his room and and then I said well don't you have anything on fish and he said oh, well I think it's all salt water that's not gonna help him and I was like I don't know <laughs> why don't you dig around and he did it turned out he had a, book, a general book on aquarium fish and so he he sent that with me he sent me this book uh, about succulents and he sent with me this book about aquarium fish and I showed up and uh, this is the kid that always meets you at the car like he's like this really wonderful kind of big puppy you know he's the first one at the window when you drive up to their property and I said oh good it's you because I have a terrible memory I probably wouldn't have remembered to give him the books if he hadn't done that I said oh it's uh, uh here's some books from Todd and he grabbed him out of my hand. And the room, this is a teenager, you know, he's not supposed to have this much delight. <laughs> but he grabbed him out of my hand and shoved him under his jacket <laughs> and ran off into the house. You know, just took these books right to his lair, right to his space. And there was so much delight in, in, in that gesture. Uh, and it, it just brought up those kind of sweet feelings all over again, you know, watching someone uh, be nervous about this thing that's their responsibility, you know, and then someone else really holding that for them in just a kind and curious and interested way. And then having the kind of the... Um, the heart and and mind to then follow up you know it was just a beautiful kind of a wraparound situation now I, of course you know the, the wonderful end to the story would come later when the fish are thriving and the tank is full and we don't know like i can't get that attached <laughs> to this outcome <laughs> these fish might still be <laughs> meant for another <laughs> future <laughs> um you know but if we pay attention we can really kind of learn lessons in these small interactions and these sweet interactions uh, between people and in situations like this and for us as meditators as as buddhists as people doing this practice uh you know, a lot of the time we're going to be called on to be both of the people in that interaction, aren't we? The person, we're both the person who is scared and doesn't want to test the waters and doesn't want to know how bad it is <laughs> and is avoiding <laughs> kind of this uh, situation that they've created. But then we're also called upon to be the person who is... Um, kind and loving and curious uh, and supportive to that other part of ourselves. Yes. So we get to be scared and we get to be nervous and we get to be um, resistant. And then this other, this other part of ourselves, you know, as meditators, as practitioners, we're building this other part of ourselves who can really hold that difficulty, uh, who can really 
you know, kind of bring up this curiosity about what to do next, uh, this delight in learning, um, uh, this sort of, uh, you know, quiet questioning. Oh, am I really, you know, do I really need to avoid this? Do I really need to look away? Um, can I just take one little step? You know, is there a test above the fridge? <laughs> You know, we can just kind of be that for ourselves. <clears throat> you know, and we can be that for other people too. And we can surround ourselves by people as much as possible who are that for us. Um, but, you know, in this practice, in this tradition, uh, we're very much, you know, called upon to be that for ourselves to develop those those um skillful qualities so we can learn how to let go some of the unskillful qualities that uh, we've also developed i've been looking into uh Constructive destabilization. Is there any? Are there any organizational development nerds in the <laughs> here? I love that stuff. Constructive destabilization is is basically, um, you know, being in a role where you're in over your head just a little bit. You know, I know there's an organizational development nerd right here. Yeah, <laughs> right over here. <laughs> I see this. Plus, I know it <clears throat> in a little bit of your head, just uh, <clears throat> just a little bit beyond your capabilities in your role. <clears throat> the constructive part, though, is what allows it, you know, to not all fall to pieces. So yes no it's okay it feels good actually it's um not a bad thing to be destabilized once in a while i call it uh, i love disruptions you know that just i just go right into like saving the day mode when <laughs> when there's a huge disruption it makes me think about how i can do things really differently um but constructive destabilization is like being held within an organization or within a community um, and you know supported to really um, go beyond our role supported to really uh, dig deep and reach high you know to to speak in, in cliches somewhat <clears throat> and this tradition i think you know this practice this particular lineage and the teachers in it, you know, I would say that they are masters <laughs> of constructive destabilization. Uh, there's a huge community of really skillful people doing really good work. Um, and then the training is to go a little bit beyond, you know, all the time to be ready 
um, to fully kind of embrace our role and be okay with being just a little bit underwater. Um, you know, I don't, as you know, I don't have any notes or <laughs> uh, my speech is not written out. <laughs> There's no plan <laughs> when I show up here <laughs> on a Sunday. That's probably quite evident and maybe not always in a, in a, in a positive way. Um, but what I, what I, what the expectation for me is to be, you know, practicing and reading and learning and, you know, staying disciplined, um, reflecting and you know, following the precepts and keeping track of my humanity uh, so that when I am sitting up here, when I'm in this role, when I'm embodying this space, um, I can speak from that. I can reflect from that space of not preparing for something in the future, but practicing in the moment. So if we're always preparing for something in the future, we're not going to be practicing and reflecting and living and um, uh, working with the present moment. So the ultimate, you know, preparation, I think, is um, constructive destabilization, having that community, having that practice, having those boundaries, and then living and learning from it. And if we're doing that, if we have that, if we're living in that way, uh, then we're always prepared for what's coming. <clears throat> I'm off on a tangent, but that is my, uh, it's just my thought hobby for this week is constructive destabilization. I have a friend who is, um, I have two friends named Jim who are fire service lifers, and one of them is here today, and one of them I've been messaging with all morning, you know, and we were talking about constructive destabilization in the corporate world. And he said, you know, that's just kind of how we live in the fire service. It's just kind of how it is. That's we have to be prepared all the time. You know, Jim's next assignment could be another World Trade Center bombing. He doesn't know, right? He doesn't know. He has to be prepared all the time, all day. And that means maintaining his body, maintaining his mind, practicing, developing, not preparing for something in the future. <clears throat> so anyway, I saw a bit of that. You know, and my husband, when he was with this kiddo, you know, my husband was already, he already loved this hobby of his. He already loved this kid. He already was a practiced, good, kind human. 
No, and then when he walked into this situation, he was able to be really the right person for the job right then and there. Um, and it was just beautiful. All right, that's enough for me. Thank you.